Welcome. You're listening to Sanseat. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Hello and welcome on today's show of Sanseet with Pamela Young. She is a medium and is from all the way from Manchester and she's giving a talk today. Hello and welcome to the show, Pamela. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you, Erin. It's lovely to talk to you. Tell us about how you were born into a family that were spiritual or... Yes, yeah. Well, my mum, since she was a little girl, had, had played with little spirit children. So from being very young, she was conscious of uh, another world and another existence, another reality. And um, her parents were, were very understanding. Well, it was her mum, her dad died when she was young. Were very understanding, so they didn't discourage it. And, uh, and so uh, one, she tried all the churches well, in the very working class northern England where, where, we, where she lived. And um, she didn't feel, they were quite poor, not having a dad, and uh, she didn't feel as welcome in the high churches. And so one day uh, she went along to the spiritualist church because they were, they were uh, offering meals for children who were, you know, had hunger. <laughs> so that's how she came and she talked to them about it and they welcomed her at the spiritualist church. And so her gift was uh, allowed to develop, and when she got older, she had a home circle, which a lot of people did in America and Britain. Spiritualism, certainly in the uh, 19th century, it was spread like wildfire. And uh, even though people had their own religions, a lot had home circles, a lot did the table tapping, and, 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 and tried to communicate with spirit. And this was quite a revolution in the world, really, because before that it was just the priests or the uh, people who would go between you and the divine before this time. So people were starting to develop a new consciousness, really, that they too could communicate with the divine or the afterworld. And um, uh, and then it, it, about the when the time her mum was born, it, it had been made into a religion. But before that, it, it had been seen as something science could look at, like psychic research. You know, science was just coming into its own too, about dimensions. And I'm not great on science, but it was quite a revolution in consciousness, really, in particularly in uh, America, uh, Britain, and parts of Europe. So she, they, did, they helped to develop a, a mediumship, which they called sitting for spirit, but we'd probably call it meditation now. And so they spent hours of little family circle, a mum and various relatives, just sitting in silence and um, sending her love and still in their minds. And they spent hours and hours and hours developing her until she could go into trance. And she used to, well, call it channeling now, it wasn't channeling, and it was called going through. She would bring messages from the spirit world, people who had passed, who talked about the passing and what happened, not the passing, and, and the opportunities in spirit to do perhaps what you hadn't done on earth. When I was born, about 70 years ago, I, I was like in an environment that lived very happily, with another world, and I knew I had uh, little spirit friends and guides, and with no dogma, which was wonderful really, because the only principles of, of what they received from spirit was that God is love, we're always looked after, and uh, we're always guided. But then, after some years of uh, development, someone called the voice came through, and it was, it, we were always prepared. And as a little girl, I was part of all of this. You know, perhaps now we, we 
you know, we, we perhaps they are not, not children, but then it was normal, you know. And the voice brought a message, and it was that within, certainly within my lifetime, something called the work would break in the world. Uh, you know, we were always asking, oh, when, when will they, the work break? And they said, well, we can't tell you, you'll know in advance because you wouldn't understand it right now. But keep faith and be very careful of your thoughts because thoughts are a living thing. And they talked about being born again. Well, this is in a, an ordinary, not particularly well-educated family, ordinary family in the north of England uh, 70 years ago, reincarnation the idea that thought is a living thing and be very careful with your thoughts and um, it was quite, quite quite radical then really. So uh, I was brought up in this always knowing that something would happen, some event in my lifetime and, and having complete faith in that. But uh, as a youngster I imagined it would be like Jesus coming down on the cloud and changing things for us. But all of my life I have searched and I have gone to places of mind, body, spirit things with my mum years and years ago, um, you know, in my 20s, 30s, when there'd be a handful of people. And now I just see all over the world people who are like taking responsibility for their own spiritual development. And as we perhaps let go of organised religion, but retain the idea of shared worship and, and group work, which is very powerful, of course. And um, I see spiritual awareness has just gone exponential in the world. It is the most, I've had family, beautiful family, children, grandchildren, and such wonderful love in my life. But the love of spirit and of the work has been immense in my life and it's it feels like like a bar of blackpool rock if you cut into it i would say the work and i now call it the work of light because throughout my life i had uh, experiences probably because it was encouraged and developed i don't have the mediumship like my mom but i, I receive things and i write them and i see i've had like and what I call my dream visions that give me an idea of that things that can't be put into words. Like I, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But before that, when I was in my late twenties, I had a near-death experience, but I didn't know that's what you called it at the time. You know, this is um, forty years ago, and uh, and I went from having complete faith in spirit and the life that perhaps runs parallel with this, um, going from faith to absolute knowing. It was the most beautiful experience, though it did start, um, uh, I went through, uh, uh, do you want to hear about it? Yeah. I, uh, I, I, we got divorced. I have other challenges in life, like everybody else, even having the, the faith and the, uh, and always being, in prayer or in contact with spirit. In those days it was like a bit selfish and I would ask for help and for things. These days I give thanks and uh, I'm quite different in the way I uh, communicate with them. At the time it would be asking for help and I always felt helped though I, I like everybody else had to go through things that were um, very difficult. But I, I, and I was uh, I brought up my children from being four and five on my own with the dad's help, but uh, it, it helped me to find an independence that I'd never had before, and I self-educated and so on. But that near-death experience, um, I'd gone to bed because the, the children had gone to see the dad, and I just felt very, very lonely one night and heartache at, at feeling responsible and not having a lot of money. I had a job, but it was always a struggle. And being a single parent was an absolute joy. It was hard and I was away from family. And I went to bed that night feeling I just wanted to go home. That was the feeling. And then I started to sink through the 
through my body, down, through the bed, through the floor. And then I went to this quite, it felt like a place of um, turmoil and, and it was uncomfortable. But it was almost like I was in that state too and I'd gone where that state existed. I didn't see any people I felt then. And I felt the need of me to, I suppose it was like a, a, a connection with me. But at the same time, it started to make me feel very ill and very nauseous. And just as I started to feel as poorly as I could, I started to, to rise away from that. And then I was found myself going uh, horizontally along. In the distance, there was this like, tiny pinprick of light. And, and I, was, I was floating along, but I was going towards it. The nearer I got, of course, that the pinprick became a bigger circle because I, until I felt like I was in a tunnel and there was light at the end of this tunnel. But then as soon as I got near it, it started to envelop me and every care I'd ever had in my life just completely disappeared. And I just felt this huge peace for the first time ever in my conscious memory. And when I got inside the light, it wasn't just that I was enveloped, it was, I can only describe it as I was the thing in itself. I was the light and I was that love. And again, when I came back after this experience, what shocked me was that the children I loved so much, I, I was there and I, was, I would have stayed there. And I couldn't understand that back in my conscious mind. But it was as if it, everything was fine there. And, and, and I knew that when I got back that this life, it passed in the twinkling of an eye once you got there. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I was really very happy to stay there because I'd only known love by loving another mm -hmm. or loving my children or, or a, a person. And, but there, that love, you didn't need anybody. It was, a, it was a love of everything and you were part of that everything not separate from it. So I certainly didn't want to come back from that. And then suddenly in front of me, he was a giant of a man in, in like shining robes. And for me, it was Jesus. I recognized him, I knew him. Also, I've thought about that since, and maybe if I'd been of a different religion, it would have been Allah or Moses, but you know, yeah. I just felt it was, but we'd always been brought up with our love of Jesus. And, and we always felt that the voice was Jesus. We were never told that. Though. And he just looked and I made this connection. I looked at him and he looked at me and there was the deepest love and the deepest connection. And I, I saw his compassion, he didn't say anything, but he just pointed back. And I knew I had to come, home, come back here. I knew I, I had things to do. I think I knew that. I think I've thought all these things since I got back, that I just was back in my bed and I was in sort of a cold sweat and I did feel that I'd just died. But from then on, changes happened. I moved back up to the north of England and really resumed the work again with my mum. And, uh, and the children were happier. Uh, we were near family and they were just coming to teenage years now. So um, from then on, I was completely dedicated to being on the path. Well, I was on it. I couldn't. You can't go back once you've experienced. Once anybody starts to wake up, it becomes far more important than anything else. It sure, it sure does. And how does it feel to juggle the gift you have and in life? As I say, even even when I was young, you know, probably until. I'd say until I was about 40, even after the near-death experience, I still um, looked at it as like a support for me, for my life, <laughs> you know. But then I started to have greater experiences and my mum started the Rainbow Group, quite a big group of us. She had been told by Spirit to start something called the Rainbow Group. It was in the eight, early 80s that everybody should meet once a week and so every Friday night we'd meet but a different person 
would run the group. There was to be no, like, like my mum had always been the one we'd look to because she would have the medium power. And, uh, and for everybody to come into the run. And so we'd, we'd start to uh, just get inspired. Somebody would say, oh, I'll do it this week. And they would do um, uh, maybe a, a night of meditation and different music. And, and then somebody else would do it an evening on I Ching. It is icing, and uh, and we would do wonderful creative evenings, and people who wouldn't wouldn't ever speak in public, and I was one of them, became quite confident, because we we felt such joy, and it was in and the spirit friend said it will help people to come into their own, and so we we did that for twenty years, and uh, and it really was. A fantastic thing, and, and it was my love, my start with group work. And then in 2005, I had um, it was an altered state for nine months. I'd retired from a, a quite a, a stressful job of social work, and um, I, I retired. And it was almost like now it's my time to develop even further. But I didn't, I wasn't conscious of that, but. I woke up one morning and I had to run down four in the morning. I couldn't, I couldn't use the computer at this stage. It would handwrite, it was like a download, handwriting, and it was all about light. And for nine months, every morning, and my husband helped me to learn to do the computer so I could do it in quicker. At first, I thought it was outside of myself because I, you know, I had certain guys I spoke to and had experiences with, but I realised that all this is in every one of us. And, and when we awaken and we remove the, you know, we search, I've always searched for it, it's like out there, but it's really with, within us and all the, and I kept getting, heal yourself and you heal the world, that's all you've got to do. And I realised that from that nine months with the, the dream visions, I saw the soul mothers singing us down the continuum of light ladder to diminishing our light each step of the way and uh, in seven places and they sang us down and to change our vibration and we'd be suspended at each level and come down and come, until we were in this material but a baby being born to this material world where I was like pure white light and like had been had to be diminished because we would have radiated this world I suppose into who we are now and then we were here to bring light to this level for some reason and then I saw that we were on the cusp of making the return journey back up the levels of the continuum of light ladder back up until then but we were doing it consciously. It was with intent that we were returning uh, up the, and we, we were going on higher frequencies, almost like we were giants, sleeping giants on each level. We'd left our blueprint as we came down and we were embodying each stage of the ladder going back up until we'd go back to pure light again. I had lots of experiences like this that I, I wrote about and um, and I, I found that as I, as I was typing, things were coming, and and I just I just saw that we were all everything in existence was light, and we were instruments of light. But here on this duality, we're instruments of light, but we also experience the shadow. But that helps us too. And and I started instead of thinking the ego was my enemy, I saw it as a divine vehicle, and. A vehicle to um, to enlightenment because it it makes us feel separate, but it's that it's that separateness that we start to feel we don't like. So you know the things we call our challenges and bad things are often the things that lead us to to uncover our true self. And I think enlightenment is not something we go and find, it's something we uncover when we start to let go of our ancestral, you know, in our blood we have all the wonderful loving acts and we've also got all the shadows. 
and challenges and wounds. And we have our wounds here in life and our challenges here in life. But often the wounds and the challenges up until now led us to think, I can't deal with this anymore. And it somehow leads us to surrender. And then the moment we start to surrender and awake to something and start looking at meditations or walking in nature in silence, dancing, chanting, laughing, all the gifts of spirit. Once we start to embrace those more, and I know we live in a material world and it's stressful and we have to earn money and that, but every small act, if we do with, like, try to be loving in everything, try not to judge. And I realise my greatest enemy, and probably the greatest enemy of all of us, is our chattering mind. Our going over hurts, and going over, uh, he did this, she did that, why did they say that, and then beating ourselves up because we're less than perfect, judging ourselves. So I just knew if we got rid of all this, and working in groups is very helpful in getting rid of our tenderness, our woundedness. And it wasn't about learning to love ourselves. No, you, you do, it is. But once you start letting go of things that hold us back, that give us turmoil, and when we find that peace, we are the love. That is where we are, we've uncovered the love in us. And my mum always used to say, my uncle used to say, everybody's doing the best, and everybody is. But she used to say, let your conscience be your guide. And I often wondered, well, what is conscience? Is it like conditioning or what we're told is right and wrong? But what, what I found with me was that I started, I'd be in turmoil, not even realising I was chattering, chattering. And then suddenly I'd become aware. It's like I could rise above myself and, and hear myself and see myself in this turmoil. And that's like, then I had a sort of silent observer and I think that's the conscience and it was the minute I had this awareness of my material awareness was the moment I knew I had accessed something divine within myself because it was just a loving thing and I know now if I get upset if I get angry and I'm in the moment and I'm in the turmoil I used to react and now I know that if I give it time and respond rather than react, I can go to that place where I am love and I, I don't feel the anger or the injustice. I'm just at peace with, with it. I think the more, more of us that awaken to our other self, call it higher self maybe, but the more we awake to that and the more we come together awake in intention groups just to send out love to the planet or to heal ourselves uh, there's a synergy in group working and there's a, it's very powerful Is this what you discovered while writing the book? I wrote a book, a book called Hope Street just after this time well it was about the same time I was having this awareness this nine months, and interestingly, it was nine months gestation, where I was awakening to to myself, my true self, and I start, and then I, so I started to write about my childhood in a book called Hope Street, and uh, I wasn't an author. I was to write about. I was led to someone uh, I always trusted, and I've always, since I've got into that energy, which I'm not in all the time. I'm in and out, and I think I think we're all in and out. That. But the more we go in it, the more we realise we've got this new parallel world, well, it's, it's new to us, that every act of love that humanity's ever made is, is being built for us to step into this new consciousness. I think there's a new wave of consciousness coming to the world. And I saw that humanity, whatever we are, and it was an evolution of consciousness to awaken to who we are. And we, I think we step in more and more in and out. And that's why we see on the world stage and we see within ourselves, we can be like a more extreme 
You know, well, well, we can be very much in the light and we can be thrown back very much as a collective because we're seeing that in the world. I think it's being brought up in order to be healed, acknowledged and healed, everything that we see. And I don't see the world as, as like being worse than it's ever been. It's just that we're all connected now to see it. And I think being connected with new technology is another evolution in consciousness, even though it's got its shadow side. Even though I'm not, I'm not as good as the youngsters with it, but I, I realized it was connecting us. It was almost like we were replicating what we are truly in our, our spirit, our soul, all connected. We've got, it, with the internet and the phones, we've got the nearest thing to telepathy. So we've got the opportunity of doing a worldwide connection. And I had a most beautiful vision of this where everybody in the world, or as many as, you know, certainly enough to make a huge critical mass to bring changes, if we had a, if we had a synchronized silence where we trained our minds just to be still for a while, the minutes would do, I'm sure. Okay. And, where we, and where we were just intent on sending, on being love, on being love, because life in here, love is the is the highest expression of life. And um, if we can, if we were intent on that, and we could start in small groups and and just just build on it, and and it was spread, and I and I saw. I don't, I don't understand science, but I saw that we are the science of light, and everything, everything in existence is the science of light. And from light comes beauty, comes the flowers and the trees, and comes the babies, and everything is an absolute beautiful manifestation of light. And if we saw our auras and saw auras around everything that lives, uh, we'd see that those colours, from the white light comes all the colours of the rainbow that are, we don't see it, but it's spreading, it's radiating the planet. And I believe this new light that we are awake since the Enlightenment time, uh, we've been moving towards education for the masses, and we, we, um, we, we did away with all our indigenous past, but now we're embracing it again, and we're realising about sustainability. We might even be that our tribal past, our indigenous back here now, and uh, walking the footpath again, but this time with reason, with intellect, and marrying head and heart to say, yes, we want this intuitive world, we want to work with Mother Nature, and, um, and everything that's like that's when synchronicity comes. Once we, once we come into that energy, and it's an energy and a frequency that we'll, we can't fail to get to and rise because it's in our DNA. Our DNA is light. And these are all things I received and that I'm absolutely, it's my passion you now to try and just, just me. I'm the only person I can change. And all of us, if just if we just were intent on making ourselves lighter, more loving, less judgmental, and there's so many techniques to bring that about, and they're all the gifts of spirit that I mentioned earlier. You said that you had this vision when you were young. Has that come true, or is it still time for it to come true? Uh, about the work, yes. About the things we were told about the work, yes. I believe we're in the midst of it now. I, it took me till 2005 until I was you know, in the 50s to realize that the work is not outside of us and each one of us is just responsible and, and if we work on ourselves well, it's not so much work, it's uncover. If we spend time uncovering and getting over our wounds and knowing that thinking about them is like scratching a wound and making it keep bleeding. If we can stop going over our hurts and wounds, our injustices, or our guilt, if we can get over that, which we can train the mind to do. I, I found in my life, my mind is an organ that I can train just the way I can train my body at the gym or on a walk. 
I had little techniques to train my mind. I'm no different than anybody else. We're all the same. We can train our minds to still. And once we still the chattering and going over hurts time and time again, they become less significant. And we can go into that other space where no healing is necessary. We're already healed and we're already that light and love. And we can we can use techniques to, to find that. And the you know, the adepts have known this and uh, and in the mystery schools in the past they knew this, but it was only for the the few then. But now it's open to the masses. Look at the huge interest in the last twenty years into spiritual development. It's spreading. And I think that whenever we we go into that consciousness, that divine consciousness, energy, love, whatever you want to call it, we used to call it spirit, we're now more scientific, so we call spirit um, energy. That, whatever we call it, it becomes exponential with more people. You know, like, I used to wonder what that saying was when two or more gathered in my name and my name is love. And I used to think, oh, it's not very nice. Not if you've got a bit, you can't be on your own and receive it. But I realized it was a, about an energy. When two or more gathered, that's when light can become exponential. And then when you get millions gathered together with the same intention, um, imagine the change then. And to show you that groups magnify the yeah. volume of the frequency. Yeah, that's how I see. It. I see. I see that we radiate. Every one of us. That's everyone. Everyone. Even the person who's in the darkest shadows and and what we might consider evil. If you look at the word evil, it's lived backwards. And and I see loads of things in words too, like. Divine, William Blake's Divine Imagination. And whose birthday is today? And my mum's and yours, Aaron, all on the 28th of November. And if, if you look at a lot of spiritual leaders, often they're born under Sagittarius too. But that's an aside. But I started to see words. I mean, I, I, I left school, probably, you, you might, I wasn't special needs, but I, I couldn't deal with academia in any way. And, I, and I, I, but through my life, I've like educated myself, and and now you know I can. It's odd that writing was a problem for me, and yet now I receive as I'm writing messages come. But I see that we radiate, we radiate light through our aura, our consciousness. We connect with each other on that level. Everything we're doing on a physical level is replicating what we do on a spiritual level. Wow, so it's a mirror effect of yeah, each other. Yeah. That's amazing. So all technology is, is making this possible. And one day, we will transmit, you know, out there, and we will transmit this higher power of love. And we won't go anywhere. That the world, and the, oh, that's what they told us as, as children, um, when they talked about the work and thought, they said you would meet people in your life and feel this immediate attraction. And they were your like spiritual family. And when I, in 2005 I got that there's a unique signature groups all throughout the world. And, and there were some pioneers that will start this sort of work that's already been started. And then it will spread. And now each group will get larger and larger and larger until it's one huge body. One, Humanity is one group, but it, it's taken, you know, it's probably taken uh, eons of time to get to this place. And it's like we've replicated ourselves each lifetime and brought a tad more light until we're at this time when, yeah, look how we're connected in the world now. When you say signatures of energy through the pioneers, what do you mean? Right, that people who have We've probably all had many lives, but I don't think we understand. We'll put it in our human terms, reincarnation, and imagine it's one one body, one person coming into different bodies throughout. But I think it, it's a lot more uh, complex than that. We don't quite understand. But nevertheless, each generation has, has come back 
and brought a tad more light, expanded consciousness, sometimes in a way that we would judge as bad and sometimes in a way we would judge as good, but it's all in the evolution of consciousness. You know, some people will be a bit further ahead, you know, like we've had great, great people who have left a legacy, and, and um, spiritually, and ordinary people are, are, are becoming like masters too and spiritual enlightened. Uh, so they, these people who are already in and out of that new uh, world are what I call pioneers, but they don't mean they're any better than anybody else. They just maybe what not because the circumstances in their life have allowed them to. And maybe their bloodline, uh, as they're waking up, they're clearing the bloodline automatically. The, there's no working on that. You just quit, which just doing it because, you know, Whoever we are in our bloodline, we are healing ourselves and we're healing that too. So as you start to heal, which is awakening to who you really are, we start to we start to heal everything. And we can we can just be in the presence of someone else and feel compassion for them if they're going through a bad time. And you know, that will start to heal that wound for that person. And the more more pioneers they awake, everybody becomes a pioneer. And the, the ones that you think are very asleep and maybe living in a, as a very unhealthy mental state because of the way they treat others or whatever, they will wake quicker because there's so many more awake now. It's magnetic. I know maybe I'm not making it clear, but I just see everything as the spiritual evolution. Do you, consciousness. Yeah, that is it. And do you view everything around you as love? I think everything is love, but I, I don't I don't always perceive it like I'm the same as everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. at times like you cannot I cannot imagine feeling love for, for what that going on or whatever. But it, it, when when we get to that stage where we are uncovered, revealed. We see it as love then, but we're in the duality here now. And when being awakened, is, is it have that feeling of love inside us, or what's the feeling? Yeah, right. I, I feel a great peace. When I go into meditation, and I, and I do believe in the power of prayer, but it's changed a lot. As I say, I used to ask for things, <laughs> and now I just see the blessings, and, the, and I thank, give thanks. I expect miracles. I feel that joy when I'm in. I don't think I expect, but it's almost like because of my expectations of receiving synchronicities that lead me on. Because they're thrilling when they happen, aren't they? Yeah. They, are, they are an amazing thing, synchronicities. But I do now believe that we are that synchronicity. And so we get into that energy. Great things flow and we reveal to more who we are then. And it, it is a delight that we can all get into. But as I say, it, it, we're, it, we have glimpses of it now, but it can, we can grow it and develop it. It's like you're describing everything on a spiritual level is like going to the gym and training to the physical body to yeah. uh, perceive it to the reality of the world. Yeah. Um, and throughout the years of, from birth to now, do you see that progression of, of that in yourselves? Oh, absolutely I do. And, and like all of us, we're sensitive. We're sensitive, tender beings. <laughs> and, and, and we do feel things quite deeply. But there's two sides to that as well. It's good to be sensitive because we're sensitive to our, uh, our higher selves. We're sensitive to other people's feelings and feeling compassion. But it, it also has the other side, because we live a duality, that we can get um, defensive a little bit, um, oversensitive, overthinking, and then we can really get into a bad state, because then we start not to like ourselves, because we've not been as, as the great person we want to be. So it, it is training. It is training to, to still your mind. And... Um, uh, it, and it can be done through meditation. And, and every morning I light a candle and I just pray for, for love and light. And 
in all my relationships and in all of the world and in, in everything that exists. And I think just that intention, if everybody was to do it, and you don't have to, I have, I like rituals, so I like, mm -hmm. I like going to pilgrimages, I like going to sacred sites where people have built the energy, they were already sacred sites because the earth was, has certain uh, lines, ley lines maybe, that have, where energy is really strong, and so people go and build and build and build, a bit like the Lord's, until it's, oh, it's magnetic and people are drawn to keep going to these places, and we do great work when we do that too. When we, we, we feel the love at the, on the land. You said we need sensitive beings. Do you think you're that sensitive being to provide this work? I think we all are. I think every one of us. And, but this is only food for thought because I know everyone's got their own unique path and everybody's got their own truth. And this totally is true to me because I've experienced it and I know that Anything we can put into words or thought, it's always transient. Truth's always transient. And it's always about, you know, we've got, I mean, we've got 8 billion, nearly 9 billion perceptions of reality on this planet right now. And it's amazing that everybody's got their own unique perception and, and experiences have, have made them have different perceptions and different prejudices and different loves. And, uh, but underneath that, yeah, we're, we're all instruments of light and, and together we can change the world and we were told that as well in the sittings. The worlds will change in the twinkling of an eye. And I used to imagine, woof, push, it's all there. We'll just wake up one morning and everything, like everybody will love each other, everybody will love And like Jesus on his, and the angels coming on, on the clouds. But uh, I believe that twinkling of an eye comes from when someone becomes enlightened, I think something happens in the brain. brain is, it, it put, turns on the spiritual neurons or <laughs> 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 in the DNA. I see, I see the DNA as, um, uh, you know, that joining of the two, two bodies, both male female, that's in us all. I don't see it as a gender thing. I think we have to get the male female right within ourselves. And then all the uh, the problems that, that we see as differences will be balanced, and there won't be that problem. We won't need to to, to be needy for another love, to love another, but we'll be able to love unconditionally. But that's you know that's where we that's where I see us awakening to. And when you see that, is it now or in the future? I, I, see, I see that it's been since time began since time and space, since we experience what we're experiencing on this material realm. But I do see a huge evolution, a great leap in consciousness going on right now. When someone says to you the word consciousness, is what pops into your mind? Consciousness is like we, we appear to, to be here on Earth and we have a individual consciousness comes from what we've experienced and all other things. And we also have a collective consciousness. Do you know, whatever we call it, it's being aware and awareness. I think there's a consciousness, a material consciousness that looks at different, that knows differences, that, that experiences differences, that experiences separation. And there's a spiritual consciousness that is an awareness. It's not to do with thoughts, or philosophy, or theories. It is a place. It's in within us. It's within everything. It is everything. And once we, we, we you know, and I think we, we, we're moving up the frequencies and we are ready to make a huge leap. We can think more for ourselves now. And we know what sort, the majority of people know what sort of world they want. What's, we see what's going on in the world, and yet there's probably, as I say, eight, eight, nine billion people in this world do kind acts, little kind acts every day, all loving and thoughts of love, as well as all our other <laughs> stuff. But our other stuff has got less power because it's on, it's on a lower vibration. The higher vibration that we are, really, is, is extremely powerful because it's a, a oneness, and in that oneness, 
and, and the twinkling of an eye bit, I think someone has reached enlightenment, something happens in the brain, and we start, because we're only using 10% of the brain, they say. Imagine if we're using more. You know, we're going to, we've got maybe that, that's when we connect with this higher self, because that, we are like computers. We are the most amazing computer, really. And we can, re- we can receive, you know, the software. The software is the spirit. And the more we uncover that software within ourselves, the more we become enlightened. And I think when you see people with twinkly eyes and they've got a charisma, <laughs> they, they, can, they, they are people uh, where the twinkle comes. You mentioned about your near-death experience where you went home. Do you know when what it feels like? So when you are ready to go home again? I, I do know, and I have no fear. Absolutely no fear. I know it will be wonderful when I go. I know it's I'm still here, so it's not my time. And I, you know, I'd love to see the uh, grandchildren and a little bit longer in life and be and and continue to 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 share the work. We didn't share it. We were told it hadn't got to be shared all those years ago because it wouldn't be understood. And and we didn't understand it because we're growing into the work. We are we are the work. So we are creating it, co-creating it. So I've no I've no worry about death. I mean, we all we all would rather not go through um, uh, dementia or go through uh, mobility problems. We'd rather not, but. I don't know from that experience that when we get there, it doesn't seem important. All, all the trials and tribulations, it's gone. And it doesn't seem even that it really happened. But while we're here, it's very real. The soul is driving the car, which is the body. Yeah. And eventually says, I'm done, stop it here. And yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah, absolutely. I know that I've, you know, gone from I don't surrender in that I give away my responsibility for for being love. I I can now surrender things that I now cause myself turmoil and my behaviour causes other turmoil. I can surrender that easier now. And um, so yeah, I suppose my higher self is leading me more than it used to. If you could have a conversation with your physical mind and your soul mind, what do you think you'll chat about? Well, I'll tell you what has just appeared in my world, and it's a beautiful song. It's interesting because at this talk tonight, I am playing this song, you know, the talk at the... Oh, yes, the, yeah. About, I'm calling it, well, the talk I always feel is called Let Light. And mm-hmm. I'm going to play this song to show for me. When I heard this song, I thought, this is my insecure, lower self who's just had a conversation with her higher self. And it's called You Say. And it's a woman in America. I heard it the other week on the radio. And I took it to uh, where, I, where I do a lot of work in the north at the monastery and played it. It's just a wonderful song. So it'd be nice for you to, to listen to that when you, go, when you go home or even now, today. And it says, you say, and it's this, this young woman, she's American, Lauren Daigle, I think she's called. And it's lovely. In fact, I've got a CD here, and, uh, which I'll be playing tonight, because it speaks it all, it says it all. If there was one piece of advice that you would give to someone in the street or a stranger, what would it be? It would be... Become aware of your chattering mind and try and take time to concentrate on your breathing quietly because when you're breathing, when you're concentrating on nice breaths in and out, you can't think. And I also realise that if you're singing a song in your mind, you can't think. And so when, when I was realising these things, I, I asked my higher self to send me a song I could sing in my head that... For instance, if I'd be, be, you know, doing housework and then I would become aware, there you go again. How long have you been in that state? You're chattering mind saying, oh, 
I, I think I've hurt somebody, or oh, uh, why did they say that to me? You know, the sensitive yeah. rubbish we go through. Um, and the minute I become aware of it, that means my self become my observer. Uh, I realise I'm something else. I'm not just the chattering mind. I have got this other being. And so I asked my higher self to give me a song, and I was quite upset at the result because I thought, I can't believe I've been given this one, and it was Ken Dodd's Happiness. <laughs> and I thought, oh, why couldn't I have something really spiritual? But gosh, every time I become, I trained myself, every time I, I got into this observing my chattering self, I would start singing that in my head, and then, that, you know, until the next time. And it's really helped me. And, and, and meditating and breathing and walking. I walk regularly in nature. I live in a lovely place where uh, I walk I walk to a tree, a beautiful beech tree. And that beech tree is my church. And I, I walk to it silently. And I always feel I've got like a whole procession of druids with me because I feel that nature. And I do it in silence. And when I'm in that place and I see the trees breathing the breath of God for us all, you know, the God and the Goddess on earth, because they are our lungs, they clear everything. And so I'm walking in gratitude and silence, and that is, it gives me a, a good and much healthier mind than I used to have. Wow, Pamela, I want to say thank you so much for coming to the show and the conversation. Thank you. It's been lovely, and I didn't realise I was going to say all this. <laughs> and, uh, it's so uh, thank you for uh, your lovely energy and enabling this communion with us. And yeah, it's been lovely. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T.com. Join Sanseat Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.